Hi, I'm Sherry Fellow, the founder of Bloombase. And I'm Allison Lochran, Bloombase partner in crime. Welcome to the Power To Podcast. On this podcast, you will hear women discussing how, when, and why they feel powerful, and when they don't, how to get there. Power To is personal power, the ability to choose our own states and behaviors. Our intent with this podcast isn't just to have a great conversation. Our intent is really to create a space that opens up possibilities and may even change behaviors. So welcome to Power Two. So welcome to podcast number one. I'm here in the studio with Allison Lochran, and we're so excited to be here with all of you. Hello. Hello. <laughs> and in true transparency, which will always be, right, Allison? Yes. This is our first podcast. We're excited to be learning. We're excited to be here. We're getting coaching as we go. We know you'll you'll coach us as well as the audience. Uh, we look forward to hearing from you as well. If you have topics you want us to cover or questions that you have mm-hmm. or want to be part of the conversation, please Email us at sherry at thisisbloombase.com or allison mm-hmm. at thisisbloombase.com. So, Allison, should we start today by just sharing with everyone why this is so important to us? Why have we been talking about this yeah. for two plus years? Yes, for way too long. For way too long. Yeah, I think that's a great place to start. Absolutely. So, why why was this discussion important from your perspective? This is sort of one of those topics that I, I keep coming back to. And I think because knowing my evolution on the topic of power, having come from a place where I, I feel like I had sort of this up and down journey with power. I came from a family of predominantly women where we had a lot of a lot of juice in our family. You know, there was all these women and one man, my dad. And then sort of went out into the world and realized that women really didn't rule the universe, which was sort of shocking, and then came up through my career sort of starting at that very low level, you know, low level roles and release and and being in very male dominated industries like commercial real estate, and then professional services and, and sort of seeing that trajectory of always being the only woman in a room and not being taken seriously and being afraid to speak after, you know, people would shut me down after a while, sort of struggling with how to how to reconcile the confidence I felt in my head because I knew I was smart and I knew I knew what I was talking about and I had been raised to believe that I could do anything I wanted. And the the flip side of that, of society telling me that I wasn't valuable and that I wasn't um, – you know, there wasn't the presence of any other women around me mm-hmm. in leadership roles and high-level roles. So understanding how to harness the things that I felt in my brain and to figure that out was took a really long time. But now that I understand how important it is to not just be competent, but to to understand how having power and knowing how to wield it, whether it's bringing other women along when you get promoted and building a team of women and just just really understanding that the dynamics around power and how to use it and how to control it and how to make it useful in your life and not look at it as, oh, I don't I don't have a lot of power. That's you know, that's that's not something that's um that serves people or serves me. It's it's I feel like it's maybe more successful 
having that understanding of it and my limitations around it or the or the the power of the power I have, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So I think more women talking about it and understanding it and harnessing it will just benefit more women, I think is the long way of saying what I'm trying to say. Okay. So for you, it feels like the the importance of is just to bring the discussion out into the open. Mm-hmm. So we don't all have to go through such a tough uphill climb yeah. to understand. Right, to understand it. Yeah. So it um I'd say mine is similar. My my journey was certainly different in terms of having both role models that were pretty genderless in terms of power and who did what. And my drive, I think, has really less to do with my own power. Um as it is the witness of others feeling powerless, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So I get both sides of that journey and really understanding for women in particular that power isn't decided for them. Mm. That they, to your point about your journey, they can make choices around power and how they change the relationship with it to influence, to do better, to be more of themselves. Uh, Not this notion of it being over something or to control something. I know we both talked about how it's choice, you know, and choice is power to do all the things we talk about. So when we talk about power, it feels like those, that word is associated professionally. How do you feel about it or what's your perspective on it from a personal perspective and how that has impacted your journey? I think that something that I've seen and aspired to personally was the ability to have choices in my life. Mm -hmm. And I think that the decisions I made around education and jobs that I took, and I think even, you know, down to the amount of kids that I chose to have, had to do with making sure that I could make choices in my life that made sense for me Mm -hmm. and not being in a position that I felt powerless because I didn't feel like I had, not Mm -hmm. that I didn't have choices, but that I didn't have good choices maybe. Mm -hmm. That, you know, my my choices might have been, well, I could stay with an abusive spouse because I don't have a good job or I could go and be destitute, (laughs) you know. Right. Like that kind of power Mm -hmm. to not have to be in that position, Mm -hmm. essentially. Like that's what I think of when I think of personal power that I have that kind of control over what's happening in my life. Mm -hmm. And it's based in the decisions I've made earlier Mm -hmm. in my life to put myself in better and better positions as I move forward so that my choices get bigger and better and broader, Mm -hmm. essentially. Yeah, that makes sense to me. And really understanding the possibilities of what you can do versus— feeling victim to what people tell you can't do. To me, that's a shift of power. Oh, yeah. Either away from or closer to the two part, right? So let me ask you this question. Where do you think that shift comes in women? Like, how do you think that you get to be a person who says, I want to figure out how to control things or to to enable myself versus, oh, I guess all I can really do is this? Hmm. Such a great question, and it's probably different for each person, right? However, I think the general theme is that it's an inside-out journey. It's not an outside-in journey, which to me is where the shift happens. When we start to look for answers inside of ourselves instead of outside of ourselves, when we start to look 
for possibilities inside of herself versus outside of herself. To me, that's when the shift is. Um, I don't know when that really happened for me, except to say it feels like it's always, for me, at really challenging life pivots. For example? Divorce, job loss, job shift, aging parents, loss of a grandparent. I mean, it really feels like not so much now. I feel like I'm more awake and more present. It feels like as I came to my own journey about power that it really took the universe to say, pay attention. <laughs> Let's just give you something that stops you in your tracks for a minute so you think about the choices you want to make next. And I wouldn't have even called it around power per se at that point, but I really think all those life pivots along the way were about me making choices for me, just like you just said. What is really at the core of you, Sherry Fellow? What is really going to get you to your next step that's right for you? And almost an unlearning of all the expectations people had of me from the outside. Mm. How do I start to really just be enough for me on the inside and trust the voice that's always been there? And not ignore her for others. Yeah. To me, that's the shift. That's a really great point. I have to, I would have to agree. That's, I think that's when, uh, I think for me personally, when I started to do that, started to ignore what other people thought I should do and do what made sense for me was when I started to feel powerful. Yeah. As a woman. Yeah. For sure. And I see so, men and women, I know we're focused mm-hmm. on our passion for women on this podcast, but see, it, it happens so much with everyone in that our intentions are to serve others. Our intentions are to keep the peace. Our intentions are so sound and mm-hmm. so well-intentioned. However, the action seems to be at the expense of ourselves until we're clear about what it is we value ourselves, what it is we want for ourselves. So that shift for me, I think, is what really makes me passionate about this conversation because I see so many women in particular make choices that they feel aren't really choices, but they are. They're right. really choosing someone or something else over themselves. Correct. And there is more possibility there. You know, it's, it's like understanding, which is another shift for me. I can't control what happens in the world at large or that a death might come my way, for example, but I can control the narrative around it. I can control the choice. I can choose what kind of power I want to have with that. And that choice to me is Or what kind of power power it has in your life. Yes, for good or for not so good. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And... I just feel like the clarity around that beyond just what I intended is a game changer. And I see it be a game changer for others, but their path to get there, I think, is varied, as it should be. So I, I agree with you, Sherry, that I think women, sweeping generalization, but women tend to, more than men, make decisions based on what's best for other people, mm-hmm. more so than men do. Where do you think that comes from? Do you think that's something that's biological, you know, based on hormones, take care of kids, whatever? Do you think it's 
societal, the way we're raised, the way we're programmed from the media, because I just, I see that so much still. I feel like it's one of the hardest behaviors for women to unlearn. And I feel like also it's one of the most power sapping that you're so concerned about everyone else's comfort and happiness and security that it drains your own. Mm. Such a great observation. I love your question. Maybe we need a behaviorist or a biologist. That's a great question. I think we need to have an expert. I can only answer from my own life experience. And where my head went when you asked that was, it feels not biological to me because my greatest, one of my greatest teachers right now is my one-year-old niece. Oh, yeah. Piper's very clear about what she wants, and she doesn't give a hoot (laughs) (laughs) about what her parents think or her best friend Cooper the dog thinks. I mean, she's so clear about what gives her energy and what doesn't, what makes her laugh, what makes her cry. So that's where my head goes, just in my family system. And I do feel like it is societal. I do, I think, obviously, we're all in a system when it comes to expectations and just what the masses that we're in, all the different systems we're in, have expectations of us. I think that's changing. I think it's changing radically. I think it could change even further faster if women embrace their power to impact that change. So for me, it feels societal, and it does feel like it starts in the early stages of whatever relationships they have. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're great examples of that. Your relationship with your family, just like mine, just like most people's, is where they first learn behaviors and what is acceptable and what isn't. Right. So for me, I'm like you in a different way. I came out of that family system thinking I should be able to trust everybody because everybody is looking out for me and there is no gender role. Even though my dad was the breadwinner, my mom worked too. And they both did household chores. So did my grandparents. Like, right. So understanding all that when I left, I too left thinking, what well, anything is possible. Mm-hmm. I got to do everything my two older brothers did when I was growing up, including football. Like, right. So I had no concept either like you. But I did learn very quickly, especially in the business world. Maybe this is where I'd put the emphasis even more so than society, is in the business world, there clearly was a system I needed to learn. There clearly were new trust tools I needed to, <laughs> to rethink. There, mm. I just, the whole system felt foreign to me as being the youngest, as being the only woman, woman mm. in most rooms I was in for most of my career. And that was really, I think that that was hard for me to unlearn later because it was the way you succeeded. I mean, you were punished right. if you didn't fit that system, not intentionally by anyone personally. I mean, the system just kicked you out right? if you didn't fit in. So that's maybe where I had, my head goes is for most women, especially in the spaces we're in, mm-hmm. it's organizationally driven. That makes sense. It's that system that reinforces behaviors around we are second, everything else is first. And then that gets especially in business families where both spouses are working, without either of them even intending to, it makes sense how that gets reinforced at home. Right, right. You and I have talked about this. In some ways, I feel like men have even less permission to change that system. I mean, if a man says in a business setting, I'm going home to cook dinner and take care of my little girl, Mm. 
There are still, I would guess, the majority of those settings would be like, are you crazy, Bill? (laughs) Hell are you talking about? (laughs) Where if a woman says that now, she might pay a price for it, but it's accepted. It's almost expected. But if a guy does that, it's... They have their own punishment system, I guess is what I'm saying, to emphasize the organizational system and the mm-hmm. influence it has. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. It does. It does. We were talking right before we went live about um, making sure that we addressed one one of the questions that we had sort of written down to to talk about, about when you feel silenced as a woman and— my head went to, you know, how I get, you know, how you get smacked down in a meeting for saying something that, you know, either men didn't agree with or didn't like. But what you went to was how women silence themselves or don't allow allow themselves to speak up. So tell me more about what you were thinking. Yeah, I'll use myself as an example of that. You know, the hardest part about this is you just said that. Here's what dawned on me was I felt silenced a lot in my career by the system or don't speak up unless you really have an answer. Um, Questions aren't really allowed. It's only answers you should have. Mm. So I felt silenced a lot in those environments because I was scared to death. So as I reflect Scared to death of not having the answers, scared that that was going to be punishing in some way or that was going to hurt my acceptance level or credibility. But as I look back at on it on it now, as you're asking that question, what I'm realizing and realize every day, I silenced me. No one silenced me. Could there have been consequences for not being quiet? Of course. Could they have been positive? Never thought of that until, <laughs> until today. Point. Only thought of the negative ones. <laughs> and so that's me having to own my fear. Now, to move fo- fast forward now to be 50, I'm really comfortable with my fear. I don't have a lot of fear because now I realize how much of that I controlled, I think, how much I was the silencer of me. Mm-hmm. And that, again, I'm not taking anything away from men or women who are in systems where that's a really hard journey. I get that. I'm just saying to own my spaces in, I think the biggest silencer of me was then me. And the only silencer of me now is me. No one else silences me now. I know I know too much about myself, <laughs> mm-hmm. too much accountability to be able to point to someone else and go, you did that to me. I mean, with the exception of, you know— someone violating me or, you know, something like that. The rest of it, 99% of my life is absolutely about me making those choices for myself. So I find now it's really frustrating because when I get frustrated, it always circles back to me. And that sucks. (laughs) God, Allison, you made me so mad. But really, I'm like, (laughs) did she? No, wait, no one can make me mad but me. And why was I mad? Well, she said something and that triggered me and then I didn't get to say what I wanted to say. Well, crap, that still comes back to me. So, I mean, I think that accountability piece has been liberating and sobering at the same time. I think that's, if we all can just own our space and our voice and the consequences of our well-meaning intentions that we don't act out for ourselves, that to me is power to do a lot. I'm just sitting here having an epiphany 
or mm-hmm. what you said about silencing yourself, mm-hmm. like a straight up epiphany <laughs> about how <laughs> do how I have always felt that you know being in rooms where I was the only woman that it was understood that you know if you don't have the right answer or if you would say something that wasn't correct it would be you know it would damage my brand or how I was thought of or but now in the like in the even in the past few years where I felt very confident in the roles I've had I find myself when I don't say something like on a conference call that I want to say I think oh you know I'm going to ask this question I think no I'll just you know maybe I'll just circle back afterwards and then someone asks it and I'm like yes it's a perfect yes and I say damn it to myself, I mean, it probably happens once a month, mm-hmm. and it still hap- it still happens. But it's me not saying it. So all those other times in the past, probably pretty likely that it was me not asking the question, not saying what yes. I thought, not that it was someone or you know the system I was in silencing mm-hmm. me because I'm still doing it to myself. Right? Yeah, and and that's hard mm. and great. I was like, uh, I say this to leaders a lot. I know you do too. That says, hey, the good news is you have the power to change what's in front of you. The bad news is you have the power to change. <laughs> like, it all comes back to you. It all begins with you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think just owning, you know, my space about being responsible for myself. That's the only person I'm responsible for. Do I have other responsibilities in my life? Of course. But my voice is my voice. No one else controls that but me. Right. Positive or negative consequences be damned. So, you know, it's interesting to think about some of the conversations we've had with other women leaders, you know, and even the conversation we had with the Rolls-Royce executives yesterday, those three fabulous women talking about just how they use their power. And one of the questions from the group was, Well, when you're changing things and you're trying to be a new model of leadership here in this very male-dominated industry, Mm -hmm. very male-dominated company, how was that seen? How was that accepted or not? And all of them were like, well, it's not accepted. But I'm either going to worry about their acceptance of me or my acceptance of me. And Mm -hmm. I was like, yes! Oh, (laughs) why didn't I record this conversation? (laughs) Because that's what it's about. And they went on to say there have been times where they have made those choices and it has been met with a severe consequence. And at the end of the day, their decision was about, am I going to own me or am I going to let someone else own me? And so the consequence of letting someone else own them felt way worse than the hard consequence of owning themselves. Whether that was demotion or a step back or kicking out of a room they used to be in or... It was really, like, yes, that's a great example of that. There are consequences either way. Are you going to value yourself more? Or are you going to value these other things more? That's the real choice about having power to mm-hmm. make a change, make a difference, what have you. Interesting. So how do you, I mean, how do you know when you feel like someone is struggling that? Are there things that stick out? Are there patterns I mean, a couple come to mind for me. I'm wondering, like, how how do you know someone is kind of in this lane where they're just struggling with owning their power? 
even even for you, like if we use ourselves, like I can remember saying a lot, and maybe is why I'm so aware of it when I hear other people say it. Yeah, but mm. I could have said something in that meeting on the phone, but well, if I I could do that, but like if there's a but, then you're probably not investigating that true sense of you and what you're really wanting and what your choices are here. If the but comes easily. I mean, I my some of my famous butts that I had to unlearn were, yeah, but you're from Santa Claus. What do you really know about this big bad world out here? Yeah, but you're the youngest. Mm. Yeah, but you're a woman. You should be lucky to be in the room. Yeah, but I mean, they go on and on, you know. So, so those when I notice myself saying a but, I just get curious about it. What is the but about? But what? But. What are all the other possibilities I'm ignoring? You know, I notice that in myself, so I pay attention to it in others. So I just wonder, you know, those other patterns where I even hear about, you know, I could do that, but what about my lifestyle? Or what about my kid? You know, there's mm. the but. So I just wonder if you notice that when you're like, oh, man, she seems to be really struggling with owning her power, what are those observations you have or behaviors you see in people? I think mine is more avoiding. Like, I don't take steps to do anything different. Like, I kind of wallow. Mm-hmm. Um, when I'm not feeling powerful, like, it makes me sort of, like, shrink. Mm. Like, shrink away from things, from making decisions, from moving forward, from um, being proactive. Like the, that's when I know that that it's not, something's not working, like mm-hmm. in, a, in a role. When I stop having those thoughts about what if we just, you know, did this instead. When I stop thinking that way, mm-hmm. that's when I'm feeling like I don't have any power. When I'm in a space where I'm thinking differently or being creative or I'm brave enough to say, you know, maybe we could try it this way and just see what happens. Then I, I'm feeling it, but when I'm not participating in that way. You know something's up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just think that's probably different for each person. So I just I think that's part of the inside work we were talking about earlier. It's just noticing that. What are what are those patterns for you to even pay attention? Because I think we don't we obviously don't have the expectation, right, that people are gonna listen to this podcast and women are gonna go like take over the world. <laughs> well, maybe that's a hope. That um, is a hope. That is sure. a hope. But that they can just what are the steps they can start with to really understand how much power they might be giving away or assuming they don't have Mm -hmm. or could shift. And I think it starts with just noticing, like what you just described. Right. You know, even at home, when am I I not going to just take a 20-minute bath instead of doing one more thing with the laundry tonight? (laughs) You know, or what are those small shifts we can start to pay attention to that we diminish our power or our opportunity to have influence like we want, whatever that is. Mm -hmm. Just curious about that for women. You know, earlier I asked you this question about personal, how it's, you know, because we have a lot of business context, organizational context. Mm. How do you see this show up in terms of other systems you're in, other places you show up romantically, 
as a mom, as a daughter, as a friend, did, does it play, does it come up as much there for you? Or is it just professionally where it's more pronounced, which makes sense, but I just wonder if it shows up in those other places for you as well, where you're not owning your full power and why? That is an interesting question. Yes, it does show up is the short answer. I would say most often and most specifically as a daughter, because that's I think that's a power dynamic mm-hmm. just at its core. Mm-hmm. And that I think that's a place of struggle for women, women to woman to woman in general. I don't like, know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. No one does. No one, no one no, got that. No, look away. No one look got away, that. everybody. <laughs> um, it, I mean, as good as your relationship is, could be, can be with your mom, I just think it's, it's difficult for two women who aren't the same human being to navigate, mm-hmm. especially in that close relationship, even when you are close. Um, that, I think that was a big. Actually, I think it was sort. I was sort of referencing it earlier when I when I met, when I said when I personally stopped doing things because other people thought I should do them mm-hmm. and started doing things for myself was when I noticed one of the biggest power shifts in my life, and that was personally. And it was primarily that, doing mm-hmm. things, not because it was the way I was brought up or the things my parents thought I should do, the things that I was programmed to do my whole life, and to just really be my authentic self. And it I feel like it changed my career. It changed my mm-hmm. my social life, even in the way I showed up for my friends and the way I was able to expand my friends, my circle of friends, and the kind of women I met and hung around with and had access to. I just feel like it changed a lot mm-hmm. in that that dynamic, and it not without consequences to that relationship for, sure, for many years mm-hmm. um, and still a lot of difficult conversations here and there, a lot of difficult conversations up front. But And I think ultimately that maybe somewhere I knew that was a, a safe space because it was that parent-child relationship and, you know. They can't get rid of you. Right. Technically. <laughs> I, think, Technically. I think at my core I knew like someday my yeah. mom was going to have to – to keep loving me, or that, and that she would, even if she didn't like me. Yeah. So, but we eventually mm-hmm. came back to liking each other. So mm-hmm. I think that that made that a little bit safer than it probably would in a romantic relationship. Sure. Yeah. So, and and I think ultimately too, what made that powerful for me was that my mom was the most powerful being in my life mm-hmm. up until then, mm-hmm. for sure. It's interesting to think about from the parent dynamic, as you said, mother-daughter in particular. So I think now that you've talked about that for you, I don't know that I have it figured out yet. <laughs> I love my mom. But growing up, my I was so shy and introverted. My mom was very strong, a super strong person. And for the, you know, really naive place I was in my life, when she would own her power, it felt so disharmonious to me, like just conflict because of how it would r- resonate in her introverted, very shy, can't we all just sing Kumbaya kid <laughs> that 
that conflict and me, it's probably one of her great, if not her greatest gift to me, there are many, but that is one of them of really how to understand that that tension is not bad, that there's so many gifts in it. She's always owned that space. That was always hard for me. And now as an adult, for many years, decades now, being able to see that differently going, God, my mom is a badass. Like yeah. She was... In her power before it was cool. Right. <laughs> you know? Same with mine, yeah. Same with yours. And so now, I, I, and I don't speak for my siblings, although I know I'm not alone in this. That's what makes this aging parent chapter so hard. Many things about it make it hard, but seeing that shift to be like, oh, it feels like mom is giving up her power mm. to do a lot of things, which in many ways is natural, but it emotionally is so hard to watch. Like, I don't want this kind of power, right. you know, or I don't want to have the power to make decisions for my parents. I really don't want it. Mm-hmm. I'll do it with great love and great care along with my siblings, but it's interesting how that shift is now affecting me in this chapter of my life. It's fascinating. So romantically, talk about romantically. How has it showed up? Seriously. Yes. We've had this conversation many times. <laughs> I can I'll start with my own answer. I mean to put yeah, you on you the can spot. Go right ahead and do that. I mean you're squirming a lot mm-hmm. since people can't see you and taking your glasses <laughs> off and on. Um I don't know that I have an answer. It's more of a observation of my experience. I think it's So not, wait, I mean, let me stop you. So what's the what's the question on the table about The question is how does how does this struggle with or Acceptance of power impact us with personal romantic relationships, I think, is the question. Okay. Does that make sense to you? Yeah. I feel like, for me, it's super clear, and it doesn't feel hard. It feels hard to find someone else that understands that. Yeah, yeah. Where before, I think I really struggled with that in my relationships of not— Acting, as you said before, acting the way I thought someone might expect, even if they hadn't stated that expectation, um, making myself smaller, harder to talk about my professional success if they weren't equally successful. All those things were hard for me. Now I'm totally comfortable doing it. It's just hard to find someone who's comfortable hearing it mm-hmm. or being in that space with you. Um doesn't mean they're not out there. I just that's just my experience right now. And it's in really knowing I'm not willing to settle or make myself smaller mm-hmm. is a really good feeling. And really saying other women find that feels like we're in someone's studio who understands that. <laughs> you know, that they can really be true partners. I think I see more and more of that. So it's really, I think, exciting to see. Yeah. I have yet to experience it myself. So I'm, I feel like I'm coming from a few steps behind you on that, even mm-hmm. having had um, an abusive relationship. Mm-hmm. And I think that even though I've done a lot of work around that, finally, because I figured out that I needed to, and played some catch-up on that emotionally, that it's... I'm sort of at the beginning of that and feeling comfortable with not minimizing myself, not downplaying my own emotions and my own needs. That's even really harder for me. It's not even just my emotions, but my needs and desires. And That's a big one. That's really hard. I don't know why. That's really 
that comes from lots of other stuff with my childhood, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> if there's any therapists listening, <laughs> if you'd like they to make a bunch of money, <laughs> give me my, my number. Um, it, it, so that's still hard. I feel like I'm just sort of early on in the in feeling comfortable in that space and not apologetic or or minimizing myself and sort of almost enjoying people's reactions. Yes. To that. Yes. Um it's it's very it's very interesting. There's I feel like that's gonna be a big shift for for men. How you talked about earlier how it's the shift still hasn't happened for um you know, I think of like stay-at-home dads and men who leave the office and say, hey, I'm going home to, you know, drive the carpool and fix dinner for the kids. And that that shift is even, even has been longer coming, making those types of role changes acceptable mm-hmm. versus women's role changes have been very open and girl power and, you know, that that's... That acceptance, like we're pushing that on people, whereas the men's role changing has been a much more quiet evolution. And I think that the same in romantic relationships, men being comfortable with that parody or women being more successful than them and being expected to have some kind of spiritual connection and emotional connection and being able to have that kind of partnership Mm -hmm. more so than before or that expectation more than before. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think probably lots of other people have been doing it well. But I think that's still evolving, that yeah. there are men that maybe before that didn't have that expectation that are now like, oh, God, I guess I have to, I guess I got to do more than go to work and golf on Saturday. And um, I think that's just more prevalent. I mean, I know that's my expectation I have a lot of great girlfriends, and I don't ever intend to not have that in my life. But mm-hmm. I also expect that level of emotional intimacy from a partner mm-hmm. and the ability to – because now that I'm a whole year or so into my own ability to express my emotions, <laughs> by God, I expect that for <laughs> somebody, somebody else. else. Exactly. Uh, exactly. Yeah. Since we all feel like maybe leadership is still connotated very in a, with a very male connotation mm-hmm. – do you feel like leadership has to involve power, hmm. or is it just is it just understood that leadership involves power? What's your reaction to that? My reaction is I think life involves power. Hmm. I have this I have this odd maybe I want to say fascinating, but I think that's giving it too much credit relationship to the word leadership. It's it feels like there's a connotation with leader that does involve power over for me. And even particularly with women, lead hership, I'd rather it be pronounced that way or something mm-hmm. to do with her. I've never heard that before. Uh, I haven't either, but <laughs> just, <laughs> just made just it thinking, We're thinking about it. Um, I, th- I think power is life. And I, I believe because in most of the business settings we've been in organizations, and because they've been mostly dominated by men, just as a part of our evolution and growing, it doesn't make men bad. You know, we get all that stuff going on. That's not what I mean. I think because leaders are at the top of those organizations and the way to get things done has been historically been about power over, that is why that word has a trigger for me and many women. And to be able to redefine that and think about the possibilities of Leaders, yes, involve power to do lots of things, to build great teams, to 
pull other people up over the wall. I think power has a lot to do with life. I don't know how you move through life powerless. Well, you right. move through life, but probably in a not really pleasant way. <laughs> um, so for me, it involves much more than leadership. And I think we have a great opportunity as women, just as I use those Rolls Royce leaders who are phenomenal. Yes, I see how leaders are throughout this organization. And I choose not to accept that is the only possibility to be successful here. Mm-hmm. I think we have lots of power to redefine what that means. And maybe that is the new, maybe that is part of what we unpack here. Leadership. Let's talk about that. I like it. And let's talk about what a new role of leader is and what a new definition of power is. And how do we put right. that into practice? What do you think? I think that's great. I think that's I think that's a great great way to think about moving forward mm-hmm. with our discussions here. Mm-hmm. What's a new way of thinking about leader leadership mm-hmm. and a new way of thinking about power? Because you're right, I think if you don't if you don't move through life from a place of power, mm-hmm. you're moving through it from a place of powerlessness. Like that's not that's a good your, option. And that's a choice. <laughs> right. You might not want to accept it, right. but it is in fact a choice. Right. Yeah. Right. So I think unpacking some of the the ways of looking at those things and the dynamic how the dynamics around that can change is a great a great thing to to think about going forward some good areas of discussion I even I don't think I've even said this to you even when I write power two down about some of the notes we're preparing and I never hardly ever spare spell it as power I spell it as power or power hour mm. Power, I mean, a play on it because I too still feel that. Like, I just want so badly for it to mean something different. So I even spell it differently. Interesting. Does that make sense? So interesting. So you, so you still feel like it has a negative connotation that you have to even change the word for it yeah. to feel different to you. I don't know if it's so much about it still having a ne- negative connotation for me. I guess I want to emphasize the point of what we're trying to do here which is if we're going to change the conversation and how how what is attached to the word power, then can we even look at the word itself differently? It's more that, I think, to emphasize the point that there's possibility here. What do you think? Crazy. <laughs> no, I, I totally understand that. I understand that. I guess I think about it like changing... Not necessarily having to change the the word itself and redefining it, like redefining the word, but making what that word means something that's inclusive and palatable and not having to— disown that word like Mm -hmm. like, oh well that's that's a a male word a bad word it's not you're right it's It's just a word it's just the definition of it has become something that it isn't really that's great it doesn't have to be i think that's absolutely right too. so that's that's just my that's my flip side of it too yeah i understand where you're coming from though too no i think they're both and that's why can't we talk about this right like Mm -hmm. that's great like why can't we just have the conversation which we are having (laughs) and just open up the possibility of it that's Mm -hmm. what's exciting about this so today i i hope as an initial possibility that they just begin to notice where they might be missing opportunity to exercise their own power to influence or to have a voice or to show up in a way that feels more true to them just notice 
Maybe they don't even change anything. They just build their awareness around where those possibilities are. And I'll look forward to our next conversation on how they might put some of those into practice. Me too.